0: Another beautiful hot summer's day in South Africa. What a beautiful day. Yeah, straight in Bononi. But, but I tell you what, friends, living in South Africa is certainly not easy. It's not easy because I, I know some of your stories. I see a man sitting here today who, uh, a couple months back, him and his staff were held up and they were robbed. And then I see a video, a YouTube clip that my brother sends me of a guy sitting in his car in a parking lot, middle of the day. Two men sh- walk up to him, shoot him, pull him out of his car and drive off. Life's not easy. And then I think of another couple, I don't see them here, but they, they should be here somewhere. They're busy with a very sensitive foster care uh, program process happening with a kid. And so they go to the welfare department and they're sitting there, half the welfare department on strike. And they're sitting in pitch darkness because the welfare department haven't paid their lights. It's tough. It's tough when you hear these stories. It's tough for you now to live in South Africa. And and I want to share about the courage that we need to live in South Africa at a time such as this. Because we're living in a country where crime is huge. The government is rotten to the core. We've got a lot of issues that are making people extremely insensitive. They don't know what's going on. We've got the dollar rand exchange is bouncing up and down all the time. We see videos of men being shot in parking lots, and so we actually need faith. We've got to have faith to live here in South Africa at this time. And I was reading about Daniel, my goodness. he has a guy, you know it was better for him to be in the lion's den, because that's exactly where God wanted him to be, in the lion's den. And so we've got to live in this country having faith that God will protect us. And sometimes it feels like it, like he doesn't protect us, Auntie Norma. So sometimes it feels like, like God's not with us. And those are the tough times. But, but, but in God's mystery, in his story that we don't understand here on earth, he's busy in God's story. But we've got to have faith. And we've got to trust. I spoke to two of my friends that I was at school with, straight in Benoni, one of them a man my, uh, my age, he had cancer, doctors diagnosed cancer. And just before they started radiation and chemo, they said, let's test one more (laughs) time. Cancer had disappeared completely. (laughs) And then then I have another friend of mine. She went from Benoni, pursued a modeling career overseas. She was going to be the next Charlize Theron, I'll tell you that much. She landed a big, big role in one of Captain America's movies. And just before they gave her the role, quick medical, just make sure you're okay. Discovered a lump in her breast, came back to South Africa, breast cancer. Liver cancer, then then bone cancer, then brain cancer until two weeks ago, she she passes away. One one friend of mine saved, healed, the other one passed on, and I'm compelled to preach that God is good in all circumstances, despite our experiences, friends. And so I want us to turn to the book of Daniel today. We're going to look at his life. It's a very tricky book. It's the twelfth last book in the Old Testament. So uh, I've used my index probably over 20 times this week trying to find this tricky book. So please don't feel embarrassed if you need to use your index. If you don't have a Bible here, you can sit next to a Christian. How's that? (laughs) For those who are not here, they're right in the 94. You can tell them that that church that that up there. So lend your Bible to a mate next to you and use your smartphone if you're seeing someone with no Bible on their lap. That was a bit naughty. Daniel chapter 6. I read a tweet from a a well-known pastor this week, and and he tweeted that verse that we all know so well. It's a Benoni phrase. We put it on our doors, on our lounge uh, walls. That's the verse that we all quote, that Benoni verse. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, plans not to harm you, plans for a hope and a future. That's a nice verse that we all have over our, our houses and our families. Friends, that verse is taken completely out of context. And today we're going to read a little bit about that verse a bit later. So let's have a look at Daniel chapter 6. The courage to be a South African. The courage to be a Mauritian. I see my mate if you're a Mauritian. Courage to be a Mauritian. Courage to be a Mozambican if you're a Mozambican. And the courage for Jimmy to be a Scotsman if you're a Scotsman. After all, that's all you have. Just your rugby team, But Good game we watched last night. The courage to be a South African. Verse 1. Are you with me? It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom. With three chief ministers over them. One of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the chief ministers and the satraps by his exceptional qualities. Say exceptional qualities. Keep your finger there, please. Turn to chapter 1. Friends, we have to know that we are in a war. There is a war over your life and my life for you now to compromise in some form or another. And we're going to read about this war between Jerusalem, between God's, God's city, God's church, and the world, Babylon. There's a fight between the ways of the world and the ways of the church. And there's a fight in my life and your life between the ways of the flesh and the ways of Jesus. And we cannot be neutral here, friends. There's a fight going on. That's why people have to come to church. Why, Daryl? So they can sign the attendance register like the teachers in the staff room. No, friends. So that we can get under the word of God. Because the, the, the pull, the struggle, the magnet from the world is incredibly strong. And we need the word of God to help us be pulled away from those desires that are so un- unbelievably persuasive in the world. And so you and I have got friends that are captivated, that are enticed, that are being lured into the ways of the world. But this guy, Daniel, he doesn't. When he goes into the lion's den, you know how old he is, Mark? When he walks into the lion's den, but he's 80 years old. And when he comes into Babylon, into this very ungodly city, he's 14 years old. And so for 66 years, this guy Daniel, is faithful. How's your faithfulness going today, Paulie? How's your faithfulness going today? Daryl, how's your faithfulness? But, well, I've been faithful for two weeks, Daryl. I've been faithful to my God and to my family for for maybe two years, five years. For Daniel, he was faithful to his God for 66 years. This man, 66 years of exceptional qualities. And this is what it says about him and about the story in chapter 1, verse 1. Read it with me there. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. That, my friends, is the whole Bible in just one verse. It's exactly what happens in the Bible. Babylon besieges Jerusalem. There's a tower of Babel in Genesis that man's busy building. And God says to Abraham, Abraham, you go and bless the world. Let me give you a real life example of that in current day. That church in Pretoria that we relate to, 3CI Church, my mate Rory, he's the lead pastor there. And he's got some of his mates that are pastors with him. And one of these pastors, him and his wife, since they're gonna wanna go and plant a church they feel it's time to go and plant. And Rory says, everything inside of him says no. Keep Adrian and his wife. Hold on to them. Build a big church with specialized gifts. Build a big church with air cons. And specialized gifts. Specialized team. And then he wakes up one morning and he says no. He says, our job is to raise up people and send them out. And go and be a blessing to the world. What about us here in Benoni? Heather, you had lunch with my mom on Thursday. News is out. Benoni's a small city. In February, there's a top shot, real great preacher coming to plant a church in Ryanfield. And what are we going to do? Are we going to do what maybe Connections and God First did for us? Welcome. We're excited to have another church here in Benoni. Let's build the city together for God's kingdom. Or Are we going to say no? Benoni's too, there's too many churches in Benoni? I, really, I want to be a blessing to them when they come and plant in Benoni. My mates tell me there's 600,000 people in Benoni. That's what they say. I don't know. But anyway, I think there's too few churches in Benoni if that's the figure. Let's build a kingdom with other churches around us, your friends. Carry on reading there. Verse 2. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. That's Nebuchadnezzar's hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. This is what happens. God allows the church to be attacked by the world. See, the church had become arrogant. The church had lost its focus on putting it on God. They would put the focus on the church, on the building, perhaps on man. And so God allowed the church to be, to be uh, attacked here, friends. That's what's happening in this verse. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials... To bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men, without any physical defect. Handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning. Well informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. It makes me think of b He preached last week on God's grace. It was proper service. Honor you for that, Brad. Good looking, handsome, showing aptitude. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among them, from Judah, were some. Daniel, say Daniel. Daniel. E-L, just say that, E-L. Hananiah, say that, A I A H. Got that, I-A-H, the end of his name there, I-A-H, Michel E-L, and Azariah, I-A-H. We'll come back to why I'm asking you to do that just now. The chief official gave them new names. He changed their names. To Daniel, he gave the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. The best way to describe this, Benoni standard grade, my shack, your shack, and a bungalow. Don't forget that. It's the easiest way to get it in my brain. My goodness. But he has a good one. Listen to this. But Daniel, but Daniel, this guy, 66 years, this guy, he resolved not to defile himself with the royal food. Say he resolved. Daniel resolved. He made a decision. I'm not going to defile myself with the royal food. Jump to verse 20 there for me, please. In every matter of wisdom, And understanding about which the king questioned them. He found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. 10 times better. Say that. 10 times better. Friends, this is how Babylon works. This is how the world works. And I'm talking to young people and I'm talking to old people today. The first thing that the world does is they identify your gift. And then what they do is they isolate you from your family. They took them to a different place. Give you an example there. I have a mate, he's a pastor in Maritzburg, Auntie Mark's special town Maritzburg. He's got big puppies, he's pedalled the doozy probably 10, 15 times. And his daughter wants to go to varsity. She says, Dad, I'll either want to go to Cape Town or Pretoria Varsity. What do you think? And he says, My girl, we're gonna find you a church in Cape Town or Pretoria. She says, What do you mean? He says, We're gonna go and find a church in Cape Town, we're gonna find a church in Pretoria. And whichever church you like the best, that's where the university is that we're going to be sending you to. And I thought, wow, that's something beautiful, eh? Here's a guy who realizes that he's, he's allowing his 18-year-old daughter to be separated from her support system, from her family. And she's going to become isolated in the world. And say, I can't let her do that. I've got to plug her into a church where she's going to grow, where she's going to thrive, and where her gift's not going to be stolen. I'm about to go to varsity. Remind me of what I'm preaching at today. <sighs> See, friends, we, 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 we realize that the pull from Babylon, from the world, is, is so extremely strong, and how that undermines young Christian people they become isolated from their family and then they start to become indulged he says to Daniel Daniel buddy you can eat the royal food let let you let yourself be indulged in the royal food and one of the greatest mistakes that Christians make is they start to be indulged by a culture that that culture indulges you when you become successful sir and some of you are there's a risk because you become indulged by that culture. One of the greatest ways that the devil undermines Christians is luxurious living. Fancy restaurants. Reserved seats at functions. By, by, by our positions and our luxury and our comfort. Until good men, until good young men become indulged in that system. i got a mate He's here today. He left school with me. I went and worked for my family business. He went and built up his career at a corporate company in Pretoria. Did extremely well. Now he's MD of a couple of companies in Pretoria. And a couple of years back we sat together and he said, you know, Daryl, it's so difficult to be living in the world as a Christian. And only by God's grace is my mate coming back on that straight road, living a life because of God's grace in that corporate world that he's in, making his life relevant for Jesus. Daniel, he served God for 66 years, and he never once gave up on the things that he believed in, and he thrived. Daniel thrived in Babylon 10 times better, 10 times better. We want architects that are 10 times better. We want lawyers that are 10 times better. Farmers, teachers that are 10 times better without in any way compromising the values that God wants us to live by there were only four christians in babylon in this very ungodly dark city there were four just four lights busy shining god only needed four people to make sure that the light that the gospel kept burning in a very dark city daniel el say that again el el, E-L is the name of god friends ih is the name of god that's yah that's where we get the where we get god's name yahweh these boys had god's names And they changed those names. They changed their names. The first thing that a culture does is it's going to change your name. Symbolically, your name gets changed. You start living no longer in the identity that God has called you to live in. The culture changes the way God has named you and has called you to live by. And before you know it, the God factor is gone. And, and your beliefs and your views on marriage and life and sex just get changed completely. And that culture, no longer, you, you, you're no longer living that, that way that God has called you to live because of that culture. I've been, I've been pondering on this thought this whole week from practicing this message on Friday. Do I stop here? Because maybe today you're saying, Daryl, my culture has changed my identity. I am no longer living the way God purposed and called me to live. And I'm saying, God, do I stop right here and say, do you want to stand now? Do you want to say, God, I'm changing. I'm coming back to the core, back to the identity that you called me in. If it's for one person in this hall, you stand today. I want to come back to the identity that God has called me to be. Is it anybody? Just one person. I don't know. Quickly die.
1: Come up here. Can stand here. Yeah. Hi, I'm Diana. Um, I've been through hell in the last two years, but since since April, I've been suicidal every single day of my life. Even though I've got a wonderful family and children, I did not want to live any longer. And um, I grew up in an alcoholic home, was adopted three times, and all sorts of crap. Excuse the language. <laughs> but um, anyway. Um, through a long process of ministry, I'm a counsellor myself. I've been counselling for 16 years, and another lady who's been counselling for 17 years was seeing me. And we couldn't undercover what the trigger was in my life. And um, one of them was through a precious lady who is a um, faithful prayer warrior um, who writes the Hebrew Bible too, who's 88. She said to me, Diana, it's your name. And I said to her, you know, 18 years ago, I dealt with my name, Diana. And Diana in the Bible was a um, <laughs> Diana in the Bible was a goddess who was worshipped, and they sacrificed baby boys unto her name. So I had a spirit of death on my life through my name. And then to cut a long story short, it actually we, the, the suicidal thoughts and everything carried on. And um, about three months later, the Lord kept on saying to me, "It's your name. It's your name." And I like said, God, I'm sick of this now. Just tell me. I've done my name. And the Lord said to me, it's your maiden surname. And in all my years, I never, ever thought of looking at my maiden surname. And it kept me so much in bondage. You have no idea. If you actually know my surname, and you know how I live my life, I literally lived every part of my life under the curse of that surname. And praise Jesus, about two weeks ago, he delivered me from that. I have now finally stepped out of hell, (laughs) and I no longer feel suicidal. I was on antidepressants for three months because I couldn't even come to church um, with all the anxiety and panic attacks and disorders. And I am off the anti-anxiety tablets, and I can be here today and not feel it. Praise God. Thank you,
0: Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, God. We honor you, God. The identity, the calling that God has had and placed on your life, you, you continue to walk in that identity, that calling. Does that testimony resonant, resonated with you maybe this morning, friends? What, what has stood out while da is talking? What has stood out about the culture that, that maybe you've been living in that has changed your identity? Has anybody wants to come back on the straight road, living in the identity calling? Come talk to him afterwards, sir. Since God's speaking to you today, but... Chapter 6, verse 3. Let's go there. We're carrying on. Daniel so distinguished himself among the chief ministers and the satraps by his exceptional qualities, this guy, that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Remember, friends, Daniel is thriving now in Babylon. We're not talking about becoming monks and making a Christian business, being separate from the world. No, friends, we're talking about being in that business that you're in, in that school that you're in, ten times. Better. Ten times better, administrator, Claire. Ten times better, chiropractor, Paul. Ten times better, insurance advisor. Ten times better, teachers, sitting at the back. Ten times better, father. Ten times better, grandfather. Ten times better, Martin. I don't see you here, but but I think you are. Ten times better, dentist, Martin. 10 times better, but 10 times better teacher. Here's some stories about the helicopter moms. You know those moms? They hover. (laughs) 10 times better teacher, despite the helicopter moms. 10 times better, friends. Verse 4 At this. The administrators tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They, were, they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law Of his God. Friends, the first rule of having courage in South Africa is number one, we've got to be trustworthy. We have to be trustworthy. And number two, we can't be negligent. Trustworthy, and we can't be negligent. You know that every system has got a loophole. Wherever you work, whichever department you're in, every system has a loophole. For us in our family business, we had a loophole when it came to stock because paper would come in and then it would just disappear. We couldn't understand why. Our store manager would sign for two tons of paper and only receive one. My goodness, there was a loophole in that system. Maybe you get a budget for your department, sir, and you come November, you know for a fact there's still money in your budget. Go to accounts, ooh, sorry, your budget's blown. Every system. Has got a loophole. Doctors, they charge by codes. And so my mate snaps his Achilles tendon, goes for x-rays. Brandy, oh you go buddy, and you discover, oh, they're not gonna X-ray you because you've already snapped your other Achilles. You've had a, another Achilles snap, two, one man, two Achilles tendons. How does that work? That's crazy. And he can't just sneak in a, an X ray for his shoulder as well that he smashed on the KTM because doctors charge by codes. You go for an X ray, there's a code for that X ray. Wow people are no longer trustworthy. We can't trust people anymore. Friends, if we're going to live with courage in this nation, we've got to be trustworthy. And we can't be negligent. In Colossians and Ephesians, it says, work in such a way that even when your boss's eye is not on you, you do it as unto the Lord with a full heart. And so in our business, paper was going out the back door, So one weekend, my dad said, boys, we don't have enough money for the real deal proper cameras. Let's put dummy cameras in. And so for a while, stock balanced. Paper was right. Couple months later, word was out. Dummy cameras, ha, ha, ha. Paper started disappearing again. Until finally, we said, this is it, put the proper real deal cameras in. And a couple weeks later, the alarm went on. The warning lights were in our store manager. He couldn't take the heat of the camera. And he resigned. Friends, I of our heavenly father is watching us as we work. Is watching us as we go through life. And it's easy when we live in a Babylonian city where everyone's taking shortcuts. Everyone's accepting bribes for that engineering contract. It's easy to forget and think that nobody's watching us. I work by time. I don't have somebody watching over me. I don't have office hours. I can come and go as I like. And I'll never forget my dad challenging me one Friday, we were sitting in his green jetter outside of office parking Woodmead many years ago. He said to me, "My boy, pastors can be as busy or as lazy as they want." And I want to take it a step further to say that my heavenly Father has put me in a place to pastor a church, and he's watching me, and he's saying, "Daryl, be trustworthy, and don't be negligent. Some of you students sitting here today. We're putting desks out later in this hall. Some of you are writing exams. Oliver, were you, boy? You were listening to me on Friday. I was practicing my preaching here, bud. And, and when, when you go to Jeppy next year, boy, 14 years old. Daniel, he was 14 years old. He made a decision. Daniel, only made a de- he made a decision. Make that decision. Freedom Church, make a decision. I'm not going to compromise. I'm going to live a life being trustworthy and not negligent. You with me? It's tough. We've got to have faith to live here. Chapter 6, verse 6. Read with me there. So these chief ministers and satraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. The royal ministers, prefects, you also get prefects in the Bible, satraps advisers, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any God or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree, put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. What they're doing here, they're puffing up the king here. They try to make him feel good. Sucking up to the king. Sucking up to peoples even in the Bible, friends. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not new. People did that. Verse 10, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before just as he had done before. Friends, I want to tell you that the laws in this land that we have to obey, Romans 13 speaks about the laws that you and I have to obey. And I've been vulnerable and I've told you how our battle at times, driving in Faramir on Bailey Street, no safety belt, WhatsApping, not really focusing. God's calling me higher there. It's something that I'm aware of, friends. I had a running with a lady in her X6 in my suburb. I had to buy her a chocolate and say, "Sorry, I'm, I'm tr- God's calling me higher when, when it comes to cycling on my bicycle and, and driving in my car. If you get if you if you drive faster than 120, Ollie, your dad's going to get a speeding fine. But it's it's just something that happens, friends. But there's going to come a time, friends, there's going to come a time in our land where there's going to be laws, and we're not going to have to, we're not going to be able to obey them." It says in Acts chapter five, it's better to obey God than to obey man. And these laws are coming fast because <laughs> I'm a marriage officer, and there's some weddings that I, that I'm going to have to say I can't marry that couple. There's already been some of those, and there's going to be laws that are coming, and they're coming fast. You, fr- you see, friends, it doesn't always end up nicely. I heard a story about a nurse, and she had to perform an abortion. With her team, and she went to her boss at the hospital and she said, Because of my relationship with Jesus as a Christian, I cannot be part of this operation, this procedure. And her boss said to, you, said to her, It's fine. And he transferred her to another department. And then I heard about a lawyer. He, he, he had a case where it involved Hustler and Playboy. There was a big case going on. And in order for him to present, he had to read a whole lot of Hustlers and a whole lot of Playboys. And he went to his boss and he said, because of my life as a young Christian man, I cannot and I don't wanna be part of reading these magazines. And his boss said to him, it's fine, you fire fired. And for six months, he never had a job. He lost his house. Two stories, two people in the same church. One ended up fine. The other one didn't. See, friends, sometimes we think we're going to obey God. Everything will be fine. Sometimes it doesn't work out fine. And God puts men and women like Daniel in the Bible to help us to stay here in a country at a time like this. See, friends, it was just 30 days for Daniel. Just 30 days. He'd been living like this for 66 years. Just 30 days. God, I'm sure you'll understand it's only 30 days, just 30 days. I remember my dad got invited to a customer's end of year function on a Saturday and it was at the horses and my dad didn't go and I said to him, dad, what's the big deal? Why, didn't, why don't you go? It's just one day, just a, just a thing at the horses and he said to him, my boy, you don't understand. He said, when I was your age, I used to go with your grandpa every single Saturday to the horses. And I used to tell your grandpa which horses to bet on. Because I knew how things operated. He said to me, my boy, just one Saturday. I can't go back. Just 30 days. I'll just go Friday night just for one drink with those, with those mates. I know they're not the greatest guys, but I'll just go just for one drink. Just one. Fox. I'm so lonely on the weekend, and I know he's a wolf, but I'll just go and have one coffee with a guy. I'll just go for an hour, and then I'll go home. Just just 30 days. Friends, we've got to be radical. If we're going to live with courage in South Africa, we've got to draw a line in the sand that says, up until now, I will not compromise. <laughs> we've got to live with courage in South Africa, friends. Otherwise, if we don't, we're just going to be a church that looks the same as the world. We're not here as Freedom Church to wave at Benoni. We're here as Freedom Church to bring the righteousness of Christ into Benoni. That's why we're here in the city at this time. And it's scary. It is, because it's going to cost some of us our jobs. Three times a day, he got on his knees. Say, on his knees. Keep your finger there. Go to chapter 9 for me, friends. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler of the Babylonian kingdom. In the first year of his reign, our Daniel understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah, let's listen here carefully, the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. The desolation, the destruction of Jerusalem would last 70 years. You know what scripture he's referring to from Jeremiah, friends? And some of your Bibles will have a little footnote there. Jeremiah 29, verse 10. And just now we read verse 11. That special verse that's on our door frames. God's plans are special. God's plans for me are great. To prosper, not to harm me. But we've got to put everything in context in the Bible here, friends. Because he's reading here, he's making reference to Jeremiah 29, verse 10. For 70 years, you're going to battle your bottoms off. 70 years, friends. Daniel, you're going to live as one of four lights. For a long, long time in a very dark, ungodly city, town, full of sexual immorality. But Daniel, take hold of the promise, boy. Jerusalem has been raided. Things have been stolen from the temple. It's crashed. It's crumbled. It's crumbled. But Daniel, he took hold of that promise. And he made a decision. He wasn't going to put his faith and confidence in a thriving Babylon city. He was going to put his faith and confidence in the the, in the in, in 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 jerusalem as he as he pointed and faced there three times a day he made that decision rather than putting his faith in the thriving babylon city freedom church where's your faith where's your faith i want to say to you friends You look at other people around you, they're thriving. They're living this ungodly life. Everything's going well for them. And they're enticing you to join that culture that they're involved with. I want to say it's it's better for us to put our faith, it's greater for us to put our faith in a crashing, crumbling church than in an ungodly city. And I don't know how long your trouble has been. Two years? Five years? Ten years? But Daniel, he faced a system. He fought a system for 70 years. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for a hope and plans for a future. I'm 43 now. And if God is putting us through a difficult time, I'll be 113. I won't be here anymore. But I'm holding on to the promise. We stand, friends. We stand firm. We hold strong to the promise of God three times a day. And we don't do it as a righteous, religious thing. You say, Daryl, I don't know how to pray we'll start off by praying our father who art in heaven i was lying with my son on his bed he's got the lord's prayer on his wall and i said to him boy do you ever pray the lord's prayer he says yeah i do pray it, Dad, but sometimes it's a bit boring (laughs) i said to him boy why did we pray it like this and and we prayed our father in heaven you are almighty i'm here in benoni just a small little boy Hello, be your name your name is glorious god give us just enough for today just give us what we need for today Help me to forgive that friend at school. And when we got to the end, he said, Dad, that was quite nice. Friends, tweak the Lord's Prayer. Make it your own. Take the Lord's Prayer and personalize it. That's how Jesus taught us to pray. You know why? Because when we pray and when we read the Word of God, God will give us the courage to be Christians. And I've spoken and I've challenged myself very, very deeply today. And I haven't hit the major point that I want to hit. So stay with me just for two more minutes as we're going to hit this last point here. Let's go to Daniel chapter 6 verse 10. You with me? Verse 10. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, we've said this. He got down on his knees and he prayed. I'll read it a bit faster. We know the story. Then, of course, these men went as a group now and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So now what do they do? They go to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish this decree? For the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human except you, your majesty, my goodness, these guys, would be thrown into the lion's den. The king answered, the decree still stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention. Your majesty, or to the decree put in writing, he still prays. He still carries on three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sunset to save him. Then the men went as a group, again they go as a group to the king, and Darius and said to him, remember your majesty that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel, and they threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually, continually rescue you. A stone was brought And placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles. What story does that sound like? What does that sound like, friends? He sealed that stone that was put over with his ring. What does that sound like? For time's sake, let's go to Psalm 22. Daryl, we've been in Psalms all the last three months. Again, yes, we're going there again. In the middle of your Bible, Psalm 22, turn with me there, friends, because everything lines up in the Bible. I think it's on the board. We felt sorry for you. The the first verse is not on. Jesus, this is a psalm of the cross. He's crying out, my God, my God, why? Why have you forsaken me? That Greek Aramaic, he speaks out, Eloi, Eloi, lama se me. God, where are you? God, you've left me. God, I'm no, you're no longer here with me. We think of Ian and, and Bridget and, 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 and Terence. God, where are you? Why, why have you left them? Jesus, this is Jesus crying out the same prayer. Psalm 22, prayer of the cross. Verse 12, this is the, the psalm of the cross. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions tearing their prey. Open their mouths wide against me. And then he starts to pray in verse 20. He says, deliver me from the sword and my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Who's the real Daniel, man? Who's the real Daniel? You see, friends, Daniel came out of that pit unharmed. Jesus got completely mauled. By the lions of this world. He got completely milled. He was accused falsely. He was broken. He was spat at. He was stuck into a pit with a rock that went across it. And that rock was sealed. But three days later, he broke open that rock and came out of that pit and silenced the lions. He shut their mouths. There will be many roaring lions roaring over your life. There will be many roarings over your company, over this country, many roarings of your past. There will be many roarings of your failure, and there will be roarings of insecurity and economy and roarings of our government. But the greater Daniel took the full roar upon himself, and he shut the mouth of the lion so that you and I can live with peace in a land that is full of trouble. Be excellent in your workplace, friends. Be 10 times better. Make a decision not to compromise. Make a decision to draw a line. And keep trusting. Keep trusting in the greater Daniel. The greater Daniel who went into that pit and three days later came out so that the lion's roar in your life and my life can be silenced. In Jesus' name, amen.